time is it? It's time to go, right? I gotta get my, I keep, oh wow, let's go. I know that we all know we have prayer requests and the top one of course being the situation in Europe. And um, how many of y'all been following that? No? So, I mean, the, I mean, really guys, the, the, it, it, is a, it is a huge concern for prayer because if anybody is a student of history, then you know that, that this, is, this is vaguely familiar to World War II. And well, that, well, Chernobyl maybe, but I'm even thinking more like when Hitler invaded Poland. Yeah, so, but it's not, a, it's not something we should be afraid of, but it is something we should be aware of and that we should be in prayer over. And so watching, and, and you will, you'll feel the effects of it. You already are. But it'll, you know, that's just that's just the reality. So as we as we go, we need to pray for um, we need to pray for the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia. There's just there's a whole lot of conflict that's going on. Leadership. We need to pray for wisdom of our leaders, wisdom of NATO. These are all these are things that sometimes we're so removed from that we think, oh well, that stuff doesn't matter. It matters. It matters. There's, it matters greatly. That's why the Bible says to do what for your leaders? Lambast them and put signs in your yard disparaging them. <laughs> Pray for them. And in many times that is the case. Um, I, I mean, this past this past six months, I mean, I don't have any major news stations any longer. I don't have any. I've removed all my social media, not because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of some outer space person, you know, being tracked. Not because of any conspiracy theory, weird things like that. I felt like in the time that we were coming into, I just kept feeling the Lord telling me to to. Rem- and I'm not telling you to do this. Because if you try to do something I'm doing because you're just trying to follow some pattern, it's not going to work for you. You're just going to get weird. You already did it. Maybe if the Lord's speaking to you. No, that's different. Yeah. And so, and, and the reason that I, it's sort of like Elijah. Whenever he covered, he wrapped his face in his mantle. You know, there's all the circumstance that's going on. And it's hard to decipher what's real and what's not. And so this is a time when you really have to know the voice of God. And sometimes knowing the voice of God, many people ask me oftentimes, how do you know the voice of God? One of the greatest components to knowing the voice of God, now listen to this, this is very important, is being able first to drown out the background noise. There's many times that the Lord is speaking to you. It's not that you don't know the voice of God. It's the volume of everything else in your life is louder than him. So if you could just mute some of those volumes, you'd be surprised how clearly you start hearing the Lord. So we're always like, what you're asking the Lord to do is to fight the noise of your life to take center stage. And he's not going to fight for position in your life. He's asking you 
to exercise some priorities and shut down some channels, as it were, of noise. So that you can, act, and you'll be surprised at how clearly you're able to start distinguishing the voice of God when you get rid of some of the background noise in your life. And that's just a reality. So if you want to know how to hear the voice of God, tune out some of the other voices. And his voice will start coming through loud and clear. Now, today as we start, we're going we're gonna to open up in prayer. And let's just, let's just go to the Lord. I, just, I feel like the Lord wants to say something in here today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you are always speaking. We thank you that you have not left your children to suffer. God, but you are raising up an army in these last days, that God, of those who love you with a priority love and those who are, have tuned their ear to your voice and those who will obey you, Lord God, quickly, God, because they know when you speak that your voice can be trusted. I pray, God, that you would open our hearts to hear your word. God, I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would pinpoint, Lord, every area of divided allegiance in our lives. God, we welcome you and ask that you would move in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Genesis 3-7. Somebody turn there and read that for me. Genesis 3-7, we're going to start here, and then we're going to move to all kinds of strange places. They knew that they were naked. How many of you don't know the portion of Scripture that this is talking about? I mean, we, this, is, this is clearly most people who have a kindergarten knowledge of the Bible know what we're talking about here. And they knew that they were naked. That word knew there is very significant. Their, and this, Lord, you're just smart. Their input of information began to have five different channels. What were those five different channels? Yeah. They became, the Bible means what it says when they knew they were naked. They became sensually aware. Their senses took over. And what they saw was true and what they heard was true in their environment and what they felt was true and what they tasted was true. And what, y'all know what I'm talking about? That became their truth to them. And so they knew. And they, through what they saw and what they felt, and what they were experiencing, they said, they derived one conclusion. And what was that? We are naked, and naked is bad. Naked is scary. Naked is vulnerable. We've got to do something. Because it's when the Lord came to them, that's what the question he asked them. Who told you? You were naked. Who told them they were? No? Huh? Who told them they were naked? We just said it. Their, yeah, their senses. Their senses told them they were naked. I just, want you to, I just want you to get that. In your life, who tells you your circumstance right now? Fears pushing in. Something. I don't know. You've got some circumstance. You've got, I don't know, something. You know. 
Who's talking to you? Your senses, your circumstance. So you're, you're taking in your data and you're processing it circumstantially. That's, that's what they did. That's all you do too. Unless you can turn down the volume on your senses. See, it's not, it's not, it's not anybody else doing it to you. Yeah, you turn it down. Your feelings. How many of you have ever let your feelings lead? I love feelings. But feelings make great servants and terrible masters. They do. Now, use your feelings to indicate where you're at. But don't use your feelings to operate in... Um, to operate against faith, to operate against the word of God. Don't use your circumstance to operate against faith. Guys, if I could, if just this one little bit of information, if I could get people to understand they've got to actually operate by what the word says instead of what they see, instead of what they feel, instead of what they observe, instead of what, they, what, what the circumstances come to them, instead of what you say to me, I love you, but... I listen to what you say, but if it contradicts the word of God, I'm just going to have to wrap that mantle around my face and shut you up. You see what I'm saying? Faith is seeing what God sees and saying what God says. I thought faith was the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Yeah, that's, that's called seeing what God sees and saying what God says. What do you see? What do you see in your life? What do you say in your life? Is your knowledge, the boundaries of your knowledge, just completely, completely drawn in your senses and what you know and what you see and what you perceive? I mean, we've talked about this before. We've got our knowledge right here. But I know what I know. I'm not asking anyone not to know what they know. That's where we get into fantasy and not faith. You know what I'm saying? Just go, I'm not, you're not sick because I just say you're well. I'm like, well, there's blood gushing out of their juggler. Don't say that. Don't say that. I mean, it's not fantasy that I'm talking about. It's taking what I know and, and coming to the reality, yes, what I, I know what I know. Abraham, it said in it was a fact. Abraham said it was a fact that his body was dead. Did Abraham walk around going, my body's not dead, Sarah's body's not dead, my body's not dead, Sarah's body's not dead. This power of positive confession. My body's not dead, Sarah's body's not dead. He didn't do that. He said, I know my body's dead, and I know Sarah's body's dead. That's my knowledge. But then he took his boundary of knowledge, and he went, how am I doing? I know what I'm doing. I'm erasing, I'm perforating my boundary of knowledge. And when I perforate my boundary of knowledge, I say, I know what I know, but what I know is not all there is to know. But God. There's more to me than meets the eye. How many of you look in the mirror and know that? 
there's more to me than meets the eye. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I have within me the very kingdom of God. But I don't operate my life just on the principle of those words and my behavior is completely incongruent with that because that would make me an idiot. Because I can't walk to Florida and wind up in California. You've seen people do it all the time. I'm, I'm heading to Florida. I'm heading to heaven. I'm heading to the promises of God. I'm like, well, there's no evidence in your life that you are. Let me check the compass on your life. Oh, yeah, it says you're not going that way at all. <gasps> Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm just checking your coordinates. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Is that all right? Well, tree will be known. I'm not saying, I'm, not, I'm just taking, I'm just trying to take us to the place where, where what we know is what we know. But we don't know all there is to know. There's more to be known than you know. Do you know that? Please know that. And we say, no, no, no. And I say, yes, no. Y'all are spelling those in your mind right now. <laughs> no, you know, not K and O. Just K and O. Yes. That's it. And sometimes, it's very good, and sometimes the only thing you know is the next step. And then sometimes you got to take that next step, and it's like, uh, yes. Yeah, and I know. And at the same time you're doing that, I would say be doing what you know to be doing. There is a doing. You know what I mean? I know you're saying that. I mean, I know when, when Mike and I, sure. I, I agree. Yes. When, when, when Mike and I first stepped off into full-time ministry, I mean, this is not what I tell other people to do. I probably don't even share this story much because some people get, they're so looking for formulas. People want a formula for success. And you can't do what we did and find what we found. You can't do it. So Mike hears from God that his work where he works 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I mean, he drives an hour to work. He drives an hour home. And he works long hours. And we're also youth pastors. And we also have a baby. But now our baby's about three. That's Laney. 
And we, and you know what? And I worked, and it was just like, this was just our life, wasn't it? This is how everybody lived. We didn't even know it was abnormal. We didn't even know we had no work-life balance, did we? We love the church. We love the Lord. We, I mean, Mike many times has clocked out of work and drove an hour back to the church and done youth and then in his work clothes and his unit, he had a uniform and then got back in the car and drove back an hour to work and clocked back in and work all night. On more than one occasion, we weren't going, wow, look at us, how spiritual we are. It didn't even seem abnormal to us. That's what I'm saying. And so one day, Mike gets, he comes home and he said, I feel like the Lord has called me to quit my, they want me to work seven days a week or they told me I'm going to lose my job. That's what, that's what, is that not true? Seven days a week or I lose my job. Now, again, guys, it's not a formula for you. This is how the Lord led us in rest and in doing simultaneously. And so here he comes home and I said, well, what do we, let's pray about it. We, we felt the Lord. Yep, I'm going to quit my job. We have a week's vacation. Now, here, here this, is how we, this is how we were raised to live. We were not raised in families who ever saved money. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You live paycheck to paycheck. By, by Thursday, if you're paid on Friday, you don't even know. You're like, you know, you're just praying that there's enough gas in the tank to make it till the payday. And, and you know, back when banking, you could actually float checks. You could go buy groceries and float that check and then make the deposit and catch it when it got there. Because we didn't have credit cards because there's nobody going to give us credit. I mean, that's how, that's how the, how many of y'all know that kind of living? People don't live that way so much. Maybe some do, but it's not really, because you can't bank that way anymore, can you? Close that loophole, suckers. <laughs> anyway, so here, here we are, and we're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to quit our job. But there again, guys, this seemed normal to us in that place in our life. And so, you know, we had probably, I don't know, you know, we had a week of vacation. That was like having money in the bank. Had a whole week. I mean, the only way you actually save, you save money by getting your income tax returned. <laughs> you pay the IRS more than they're supposed to have, so they'll set your savings program. I'm not kidding. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> okay, well, <clears throat> so here we are. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, well, and that's, that's just the truth. Of re- that's just a reality. I mean, the Lord had to teach us how to teach us how to save. How to t- he, the Lord, if y'all ever want to know, I will be glad to tell you how to work your finances. But I'm not telling you unless you're asking me because you won't be liking me. So anyway, okay, go on. Now, so we, because the Lord taught us that too. So then we quit our job, right? And so Mike said, we've got a week of vacation. So I'm going to get paid. For, i got a week to float before we starve to death. You know, so we're industrious. Let's have a garage sale. So we have, <laughs> so we have a garage sale. To have that, and we don't tell anybody. We tell one person who was the most spiritual person and prayer partner that we knew in our life, and if anybody would stand with us, this man would. He was just that spiritual. He would take any idiotic thing and call it faith. That's the person you tell, right? So we get Jeff. Jeff's over there, and he's like, guys, okay. And he was, he was an ex-drug addict, so we never knew if he was having a vision or a flashback. And so <laughs> Jeff is at our house, you know, and he's, like, he's always like, he would always be like, one day he told me, he said, Andrea, 
the Lord just spoke to me. He's going to give you diamonds. And he did. Years later, a woman gave me a diamond ring. I'm wearing part of it right here. So anyway, this is this kind of guy. And so he, we tell him what we've done, and we've quit our job, and we're waiting on the Lord. And he went, guys, I don't know about this. I mean, when you can't get the spiritual freak to agree with you, you're in trouble. <laughs> Am I lying, Mike? We're like, shoot, gosh dang. Yeah. So we're going to give God, we said, God, we're going to give, and Jeff's like, y'all just need to know y'all have heard from God. Okay. We didn't tell anybody but Jeff, did we? One week. One week. That's what we said. The day before one week was up, the pastor came to Mike of Lighthouse Assembly of God. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he had no job to go back. They already called him in his other job and begged him to come back, said he'd work whatever he wanted to. But that, we just, you know what I mean? You just, when you jump, you jump. It's done. And so he called, and so one his pastor said, Mike, I've just I just been praying and the Lord's speaking to me and I just wanna I wanna ask you a question. Mike's like, What? He said, Would you consider being a full time youth pastor here? Oh what? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Full time work. Part time pay. Now what does that mean? You know what he offered us? Are y'all ready for this? Y'all ready? Because I have a full-time job, which doesn't equate to a lot. My full-time job, I mean, guys, come on, it's $200 a week. I mean, this is 80, this is 95. And so our rent's $250. He comes home and he's like, yeah. He said, yeah, Bowie, Bowie, Texas, 1995. So he, he comes in and he said, Joe offered me a job. You know how much it was? $250 a week, right? Two hundred fifty dollars a week, and if you clean the and that includes if you clean the church, you get two hundred if you don't clean the church. You get fifty more if you, or is I don't know. Anyway, so we we took that job. You know what I told Mike? I said we're fine as long as I don't get pregnant. Because we lost our insurance when we lost that job. I think I was pregnant when I said that. <laughs> and Hannah came along, like it or not. So I tell you that, and then from that, you, do you think that that year was easy? There's, there's places in hell that are easier. But we kept going, God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. Now, I'm telling you guys, this is not a formula for anything you're doing in your life. God, you said. Because you know what we had to do? We had to gut it out in every step of the way, trying to reconcile resting in the promise while the circumstances warring against us. And we're standing somewhere in the middle going, just call me John. You know, that's what, you know, manifesting is not as easy as just going, as. If I could find a magic wand, I would pull it out and use it. Fairy dust, come on. I've never been able to lay my hands on any such substance. It's just gutting it out in the presence of an adversary and the presence of God and going, yeah, I hear you, but I'm going here. Yeah. 
And the whole time going, God, do you see? 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 And then we walk that out. And then it just, it's circumstance after circumstance after circumstance. And we have, we come to tell you this today, that God is faithful, but the way is not easy. If you're looking for easy, there's the back door. You won't find it anyway. Show me somewhere you're going to find easy. I mean, you can, I guess you could sell your soul to the devil. Well, it wouldn't, you know, if you could get one of those good deals like he makes you rich on this earth for a while. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the Rihanna deal or something. The Beyonce and Jay-Z deal. I don't know. Come on, y'all know, you're like, if I, you know, that's just the reality. But, you know, the, the reality is, is that there's something waiting on them. So anyway, we got to know, what do you know? What I, this is what I'm always trying to reconcile in my life. I know what I know because I see it. I know it, God, because I see it. And I feel it because I know it and because I see it. How many of y'all live in those circumstances? But then I have to somehow go, but God, what do you know? What do you see? What do you say? And in that mix of I know what I know and I see what I see and I can say what I can say, I just somehow have to wrap my face in that mantle and step over into what God knows and what God sees and what God says and then I leave the land of the ten spies and I enter into the area of the two spies that says they yeah there's giants but they are our bread over here they're saying there's giants and we are their bread he goes no you got it twisted you don't know what God knows I know what God says and I can't just say that and act that Because if believe and behave doesn't line up, it's a fantasy. It's not faith. It's a get your magic, get your... I will be, if that's how you want this life to work out, I will pass out rabbit's foots for you. When you get in a tight spot, just rub that rabbit's foot real good. Chris, you probably could get us some rabbit's feet, couldn't you? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> How many believe the rabbit's foot's going to work? No hands are going up, of course, because faith is about more than just trying to exist in our own lordship, in the ownership of our own life, while simultaneously trying to coax God off of his throne and, and accrue his favor in our position. That is, I just explained to you what idolatry is. When you go to the Chinese restaurant, they, you, you probably reach over there, you can probably feel the, the lips of Buddha's lips. They're probably sticky. And all that fruit in front of him, you know why? You know why that fruit's there? So when the demon God that comes and inhabits him sees the offering, they go, oh, these people are generous. And they rub honey on Buddha's lips so they'll come back with a sweet report. And so they go back and they report, oh, they're good. And, the, and they're believing that they're going to go back with a good report and they're going to be blessed with favor. 
there's so many Christians live their life the exact same way, minus the boot and the fruit. They, you know what I mean? They're, yeah, I'm Arthur, and he's my Mar- Marlin, Merlin, 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 that's a fish, right? I saw a hand, John. And you know, and that's a good point. That's a really good point. And I would say even even what you're saying is like this, that God saw himself in us. And he tested the strength of him in us. Does that make sense? Because when God declared that Job was righteous, he said Job is he he declared Job was righteous. And then the adversary said, He's not righteous. He's only righteous. He just looks righteous because you bless him. Who was the challenge between? God said he's righteous. The question at stake is, is something that God says is righteous, righteous? Now that's a New Testament concept, isn't it? If God says you're righteous by the blood of Jesus, you can look at the adversary and say, if you're stronger than Christ, then come on. If, if you're strong enough to cast out Christ, see, that's what God's saying. He's not saying. He's not saying Job can do it. I know. He's my man. He's my boy. He's my boy. He's got it. He's got this. He's got this. What God is saying with Job is God saying, I said he's righteous. And when I say something's righteous, they are righteous by God. You see what I'm, I'm literally, by God. And it came through. Who was right? The adversary or was, Job, or was God right? So who's going to be right about you? Based on what? Based on what he has said, assigned the path of righteousness to. So when I stand before him, I stand righteous. What does right standing mean? It means I am. This is hard. This is hard for us as Christians. I'll say this and every one of you will go, Every one of you are going to get a little, a little uncomfortable when I say this. Right standing means that I am just as righteous as God. It's a Jesus thing. <laughs> That's it. So, because that, so, but you're like, wait a minute. I didn't say, I didn't say you're self-righteous. I said, and, and there's something very humbling about that. It didn't make me go, wow, look at me. It, made, it makes me go, wow, look at him. Because I know me. Well, I, and he's working that in me. That's what he knows about me. See, that's, that's the difference in knowledge. What I know about me and what he knows about me. I'm just trying to reconcile my no to his no. That, that's it. And it's not, I can be positionally... 100% righteous 
But because of everything that I've been through and all the lies that I believe and all the lies that I participated in, there's, there's unrighteousness that just wants to flood into me because all these on-ramps of unrighteousness want to come in, all these lies. And so he's working to bring like leaven and dough to sow it into me and then shutting off that tributary of lies and shutting off that tributary of lies and shutting off that tributary of lies and shutting off that until my mind is so renewed that when I look in the mirror, I'm like John G. Lake. I say, God lives in that suit of clothes right there. Everywhere that suit of clothes goes, God goes. Everything God can do, that suit of clothes can do. And you can say that, but if you don't know it. Yes. And became obedient. And that is, and you'll know, you'll know how much of like God you are. You take your temperature for your God likeness and testing your servanthood. Yeah. And there's something about that. There, you know what? You cannot, you cannot rise any higher than you're willing to serve. And the, you know what? The, what's funny? Probably if I ask Mike what was the one thing that I've taught on more in my Bible teaching life, it would be what? Probably servanthood of Christ. I want to get, I, I want to teach it here. I want to. I want to teach the servanthood of Christ. To me, if I can get to the place where I can start teaching the servanthood of Christ, then I've reached the apex. That's it. It's got to be incarnational. Not, it can't be, it can't be just another form of law. That's it. Yeah, and you're back to Ishmael and Isaac and the whole thing. So what do you know? What do you know about yourself? What do you know about yourself? The interior is superior to the external inferior. I want us to be convinced at heart level that the unseen is greater than the seen, that who I am in the unseen tells the story of my life, not the circumstantial narratives. Who I am in the unseen tells the story of my life, not the circumstantial narratives. Yes. The interior is superior to the external inferior. The interior is superior to the external inferior. What that means is we have to be convinced at heart level. I would rather you, we probably, how many of y'all can quote that scripture? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I love, y'all know, you, you know you're preaching to the scripture memorization. I mean, how much do I harp on y'all about scripture memorization? I would love for you to memorize scripture. But more than memorize scripture, I would love for you to actually know incarnationally what those, I would rather you know a scripture and be able to quote a scripture. 
when you know it incarnationally, and something just starts to take it just starts to take form in you. So when we we look at we look at the external, the external circumstance, the external inferior. That's how I'm going to say it. The external inferior is is inferior to the superior interior. I know. But I love alliteration. I think y'all know that. Mike does too. So when when we look at that, give me okay, a biblical example of that. Gideon. Gideon. He's threshing threshing thrash threshing threshing wheat in a wine press. Wine presses are not the place to thresh wheat. Hillsides are, but he's doing it because he's hiding from the Midianites. How many of you have ever done a work that was not, you didn't have the energy for the work because you weren't in the right place to do the work because you were doing work out of fear and not out of faith? And there was just no, some of you are like, I don't know what she's talking about. If you get in the right place and do the work in the right place with the right attitude, you will start finding an efficacious atmosphere that will actually contribute to the work instead of it just being drudgery and hard work. Gideon's hiding. People hide because they are what? Scared. He's afraid. He's down in a wine press. You know what the wine, it's just a cylinder. In order to thresh wheat, you knock it off and then the the loose chow falls off of the edible grain. And then you take a pitchfork and then you throw it up. And what's supposed to happen? The wind blows away the light stuff and the grain falls down. Can y'all just imagine what this looks like in there? I feel like so much of our church programs are this way. We've got, well, we've got a new church program. Got a new leadership model. A lot of work, but there's no effectiveness in this. But yes, if we just get to where, I know, Mike, he's stirring over there. If we just get to where the wind is blowing. What? Go ahead. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Ah. He's producing his own wind. In a place of, let's just unpack that a little bit, shall we? Do y'all just know what he said? It was so stinking good. He just said, Gideon, because of his fear, had positioned himself in a place of wrath. God's mad at me. Because I am not who God says I am. He will not protect me, I have to protect myself. Because I, because of all the things that are going on. So Gideon takes his interior. Many of you do this. I've done it. I do it a lot too. Let's just be honest. And we put ourselves, because we won't believe the report of righteousness. You won't be pierced with righteousness. You won't believe the report of righteousness about you. And that, you know whose you know who's blood is speaking righteousness about you? Jesus, it's the better word than Abel's righteous blood. 
So we won't believe the report of righteousness because we haven't got the interior war. We're still living in, in hostility with God because we still think that God is mad at us. And we, so we place ourselves in a place of wrath that God's mad at us and that he won't have anything to do with us if we don't do the work. So Gideon's doing the work, but there's no actual wind. And he's doing the work in the place of wrath. And the angel of the Lord shows up right in his midst of his stupidity. It's stupid to thresh wheat. But you know what Gideon would have said? I'm left with no alternative. This is what I have to do because you've forsaken, because God has forsaken me. And then God shows up, the angel of the Lord, some say a theopony, which is a pre-incarnate of Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord shows up and he says, you mighty man of valor. He announced, he made an announcement <clears throat> over Gideon that was so contrary to what his interior was experiencing because his interior was just reflecting what was the exterior. And so the Lord's trying to show up today and he's trying to announce over you, you are a mighty man and woman of valor. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we're like, oh, I don't even... Well, why is everything so bad if it's so dang good? Because your interior can't get convinced by anything other than your exterior. And then Gideon's starting to get a clue. He's starting to get a clue. He goes out and he's like, well, maybe, maybe this could be true. Maybe this could be true. So he goes out. Y'all read the story. He goes out and he gets... If you read the situation, they're starving to death in Israel. Vladimir Putin is on the horizon. And he's, 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 he's cutting off resources. And gas prices are going up. And you're paying more for meat. And, and the world economy is getting bad. And things are not looking good on the horizon. You're wondering about your, Gideon's wondering about his 401k. He's wondering if he's going to wake up <clears throat> tomorrow and if it's even going to be there. And because he's concluded, God's mad. I'm not safe because God's mad. And i got to do my work in an ineffective way. Oh, yes, thank you. Always. She helps me. And then we see that Gideon goes out. He's starting to believe this. You know how I know he's starting to believe it? I'm going to twist my ankle on this cord. He's starting to believe it because he goes out and he gets meal flour he makes flour would y'all say that that was probably a hot commodity he goes out and gets a kid not a <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> don't get twisted he goes and he and he makes a and he he kills the goat and he makes a meal and he brings it before the angel what did he just do what did he just take from It was a sacrifice. He said, I'm so convinced that what you say is what you say. I'm starting to get, see, we start, no, I'll start knowing an interior's convinced. When they start, I'll know by what altar they start sacrificing on. When they start leaving the land of self-protection and start getting vulnerable because they be, they're starting to believe this report is more important than this report, you'll start watching them. People start going, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to start doing something that seems crazy. 
I'm going to go get from my provision that's limited. When I started, we started getting convinced that God was calling us so much so, we started doing crazy stuff. And God started looking at it going, man, these two imbeciles mean business. I just can't help but reward faith like that. I mean, I can't tell you the times he's done that for us. We've just stood out there with two morons. It's, it's true. And God's going, just protect them. You see? I like it. Yes. I'm going to put that there. I 100% agree with that. But I believe what started Gideon on his trajectory was a new report. You mighty, that message, that message. You mighty man of valor. I mean, I'm still going, ah, because I'm a skeptic at heart, right? Then next thing I know, that mighty man of valor message is starting to, what's it starting to do? It's starting to create, it's starting to develop into new action. And it turns into a sacrifice that's brought before the Lord. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Not yet. It's close. Yes, you're right. The next step that God tells him to do. You're exactly right. So he's like, let's get rid of your history, your heritage, and start some new habits. Let's go get some rid of some of the, you know, that guy that gave, you know, let's get rid of, let's start cutting off some of those lines of who, of what other reports have been coming in about you. Because what did Gideon say about himself? Oh, my Lord, I'm weak. I'm little. I come from a little family, and I'm the littlest in the little family. But, then, but the message, the message you can't deny, it, can you? Because all of a sudden Gideon's starting to behave like something other than what he thought he was previous. And that turns into a sacrifice. And then Gideon's still trying to flesh things out. But what he's trying to figure out is, is the... Interior superior to the inferior exterior. I know what I'll do. Let's just test this. I'm going to take a fleece, a lamb's wool, and I'm going to put it on the ground. And I'm going to say, God, if your realm of knowledge is greater than my realm of knowledge, then I want you to lay dew on the fleece and keep the ground dry. He says, I want you, if, if the exterior, if your realm is greater than this realm. He knew the natural order of things. He said, I want you to disrupt the natural order of things. Is, do you believe that the external inferior is greater than a convinced interior? No, you don't. You believe it the other way. You believe that the interior is superior. So Gideon's still checking it out. How many of you, you don't always know? How many of you punt? 
Come on. You know, it's fourth down and one, and it's, you know, it's just one yard, but they're going to get the good field position if I don't punt. I love football, and I love the team that goes for the fourth down. I will I'll switch every time. If they're going to go for the fourth down, they're my team. Oh, it's me. I'm like, I want somebody. Is there any risk takers and rule breakers in the house? I want some risk takers and rule breakers to raise up because those are the people I know that know the realm that they can't see is greater than the realm that they can. And they don't just say it. And they don't just say, shout hallelujah on Sunday morning. They will actually put concrete things in their life they'll go sacrifice when it's hard to sacrifice they will actually come before the lord and say god is this real and then he says lord don't be mad but i'm gonna do it again the other way and he's like now i know check what did he check off god lives in a realm that is more powerful than circumstance if you could just get if you could just get convinced of that one thing you would be a water-walking, dead-raising. You would be a giant-destroying. You would be a risk-taker and a rule-breaker. You would live an extraordinary life without limits. You'd get out of your wine presses, and you'd get on top of the hill and start threshing wheat right in front of the enemy. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. You believe you were going to believe for another? Oh, another pro? Oh, okay. Oh. You're exactly right. So we've got, right. 
We'll quote it. Probably a circumstance. I don't know. Yeah. <coughs> yes. <coughs> and when God, so you, so my question would be today to you, 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 to you. What can stop you? I'm asking you. I'm not asking you for a, th a theological answer. <clears throat> what? What are you? What I'm asking you? What will you allow to stop you? See, you, you just told me you had an inferior, and that you put that you took the inferior, and you said it's superior. In ten years, you said I'll serve that. I'll serve the inferior as superior, and my interior will disappear. Right? And that's the reality of it, guys. That's it. That's it. There's, that's it in a nutshell. It's what's, it's not the nutshell. It's the nut in the shell. I mean, it's, you've got to get, are you, con I just want to know, Tommy, are you convinced enough not to go back to the same slop that you go to all the time? Are you convinced to believe that God will take you forward? Are you convinced enough to obey the Lord? Are you convinced? Are you convinced? Are you? <clears throat> Whatever can drag you back will. I'm not saying it's easy. It's the only thing that's worth it. I have been in the places where God was pouring out his blessing and I felt like all I had to do was step there and flowers would bloom. I've been there. I've been in places where I no longer, I could pray the prayer. I could pray, God, ask God for $5,000 and by the next weekend he was giving me a man to hand me $5,000 in my hand. That quick. I've been in the place where I said, God, we need a building and he hands me a $2 million building. I'm telling you, I've been in the places where God's, the prayer and the answer came just like that, just together. God going, yes, yes, yes. But then I've also let the circumstance rob me of the reality and I have been in the place where I didn't know if God really even heard heard me but I stood there and I said God you know I'm a little mad at you right now I told God this we're going to live in the same house like a married couple that has different bedrooms I want to live in your house. I just don't want your input. Y'all are thinking, you can't tell God that. I said, God, and I, this is what I told him. And I said, and I said, God, and I know that's wrong. That's what I told him. I know that's wrong. But you know that's the real thing that's going on because I got convinced, I got convinced of a superior exterior. And the Lord said, that's all right. 
when I say you're righteous, you're righteous. <laughs> and God said, you thought all this time you were holding on to me? Au contraire, mon frère. I've been holding on to you, sister girl, and I don't want you to get it twisted. So we're going to go through this little period right now because I'm taking you somewhere that you're going to need to have this level of convincing that you've never had a hold of me, that I have always had a hold of you. And until you get so convinced and the message that I speak over you is the only message you hear and you can mute the sound of circumstance because all you can hear is you mighty man of valor, then we will know that you can go and do great things because as long as any other inferior message can still speak to you you will hook up with that sucker and go walking right down that path that's what you just told me you did you'll see what I'm saying how convinced are you I don't say that in any sense of arrogance, going, I know I'm not convinced. You know how I say that? I go, oh, God. I hope. I'm convinced. I think. I'm almost certain. <laughs> that I'm almost really for sure. Definitely, maybe, convinced. <laughs> Do y'all say <laughs> But then I go, but I do know this. I am convinced of this one thing, that he who has begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. And he who is able to keep me from stumbling, he will make me stand. And if he calls me righteous, then by golly, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And my confidence is not on any work of the flesh, as good as my works are, but it is on the work of the Spirit of God working in me and through me and for me. What you see is not Andrea. If you knew where I came from, you would go, yeah, you're disqualified. He taught me that the treasure is in the earthen vessel. So that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of myself. Because he took me through the places where I was, I was pressed. But not crushed. I was persecuted, but not abandoned. I was struck down, but not destroyed. Because we got something weird going on here. You put treasure in something because the something's supposed to protect the treasure, right? How many of you put your diamond rings and your money into a clay pot and went and put it out in the backyard? Because the clay pot's not going to protect the treasure, is it? See, that's the oxymoron. That's the, that's the paradox there. When you finally understand that the treasure is protecting the clay. The, the clay was never protecting the treasure. All this time you mean to tell me that you were protecting me? All this time you mean to tell me? God, that Job was righteous, not because of his righteous acts, but because you said so. 
Oh, now that will make you, as one liquor store owner told me one time, walk on your hind legs. Why do you? Why was you? Why would I be in the liquor store getting told something like that? I was 16, looking for the cheapest bottle of wine with the strongest amount of punch I could find. I don't recommend it <laughs> because that was in, that was an inferior exterior. I have found that there's some superior interior that will rival any thing that you can put down your throat or put through your lungs or shoot in your veins or take to be, or yeah it's it it's he's he's bigger and he's if you would just believe if you would just be convinced that you are what he says you are Those are lackluster, ridiculous, lying substitutes that will only delay the process at best or completely derail it at worst. Who do you say you are? <clears throat> Who do you say you are? Let's be convinced. I'm telling you guys, there's nothing that, our purpose comes out of that. A convinced interior is superior to external inferior. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. 